Um, so I've been going recently through just like I figured out that it was basically time to, uh, well, I felt God leading me to just to um, change, like I'm like changing stages in life basically. So I've decided to sell the house that I've held on to for the last 10 years. Um, and um, I um, actually, when you buy a house, usually you have to buy something called uh, owner's title insurance. And it is so that if there is a claim that is, okay, it's so that if there's a claim against the previous owner that you didn't know about that's still sitting against the property, it doesn't come against you when you go to sell it. Well, it's rarely used. It's like almost never is the case that this ends up being a thing. And yet, when I was in the process of selling, it turned out to be, it turned out there was a claim against the previous owner and it was sitting against my house. So I wasn't sure whether I actually had bought the title insurance or not and I had lost all the paperwork for my house. So for two days, I was just up and um, like I was looking for this and I like literally did not sleep. Um, and then because I couldn't sleep, I got up again and tore the basement apart again looking for it and uh, just was paranoid. I didn't sleep for two days because I'm like, oh crap, this is, you know, a lot of stuff's on the line here, right? So finally, um, I settled down. I came to a point and settled down. I'm like, okay, can't keep beating myself up about this. Um, you know, I kind of like, okay, God, I'm going to give this situation to you and I'm going to let go of it and trust that this can be resolved. And so I go out onto the road and by this point I'm so exhausted, I'm, I'm ex I go out on the road, I do Uber Eats for like an income recently. And so I go out onto the road and I figure out like within an hour that I, uh, you know, I blow through two red lights because I hadn't had any sleep. I'm like, I gotta stop. I can't, I can't keep doing this, I'm gonna kill myself. So I start going home, and like as I'm turning in the corner onto my street, I have the, just this, I can't describe this epiphany. I didn't, I didn't have an idea in my head of what to do. It just, when I went straight, when I went to my front door, it's like I went, it's like I was just kind of taken, like, you know, I walked straight to the basement, walked straight to a certain spot that I had already dug through several times, I found a blue satchel that I did not recognize and like, like, like just instantaneously lifted that up and I found all of the paperwork in there. And it was like something that literally just, it's like a guidance, it's like a, it was like a guidance system took over and took me straight to that spot. Right, amen, Isaac. Um, we also have a second testimony speaker today, and I'd like to invite her up here. Yeah, if you want to introduce yourself really quick. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Bless you, everyone. My name is Ezir. Such a small crowd. I'm like, put the microphone down. Um, I'm here with the I Have team that is part of the Israel Mandate that um, I have in Kansas City. So very quickly, I'm going to share with you in three minutes, looking at my timer, three minutes, 
um, a testimony based on John 3.16. Raise your hand if you know what John 3.16 says. Okay, so it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whosoever believes in him will not perish. Now, with that said, raise your hand if you've been saved for less than a year. Okay, if you've been saved one to five years. If you've been saved five to ten years. If you've been saved, well, that's like half of your life already. So, yeah. <laughs> you've been saved from ten to fifteen years. Awesome. And then fifteen to twenty. Right. And then over twenty years. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we are all all timers here. So let me tell you a testimony quickly. I was raised in the, I was, I was born in a church, in a Christian um, home. And um, so I've been saved for 30 years. Like I was crawling when I was saved, you know? And um, the Lord allowed me to be born to ministers. You know, my father was a minister. He was an evangelist. He traveled, we traveled with him. And I was able to see the power of the Lord like miracles it was amazing but then my father had to be out of the the area often which gave us a different feeling as a family and put us into lack so what am i going to tell you is that because of that i grew up knowing that god was definitely powerful and real i wasn't sure that he was loving me because he will you know, my father is a good minister. He would come whenever he was home. He was like very wet and judged, you know. So my vision of the Lord was that he was judged who tolerated me, but that Jesus loved me. Jesus just loved me. Jesus was my friend. But God the Father was, you know, just dealing with me because of Jesus. And the most marvelous thing that happened to me after my whole life as a Christian was just a few months ago when the Lord allowed me to see that the Father loved me. And when he says that, for God so loved the world, it was like, wait, this is all about the Father. He loved me. He doesn't just tolerate me. He, he loved me that much to actually give his son. So as a mom, that just broke me just a few months ago. To understand that I don't have to go crazy striving. And when the longer we are in the gospel, the more we do. The more we run around like Christians just losing our heads. But it's like he was saying to me, do you want to do all of that in that conference? Do you want to do it? Okay, do it. it, it I like it. But you don't have to. I just love you. I love you. When I look at you, I love you. And I love you before you were born. I love you before the creation of the world. So my testimony is that I have found so recently that he loved me no matter what. He loves me. And I don't have to strive for it. And I just wanted to remind you, as all-timers Christians, does not lose sight of that. That he just loves us and we don't have to worry. Amen. The Lord bless you. All right, thank you for that testimony. That's such a good reminder. I think uh, 
you know, I just wanted to say too, like, I knew, because uh, most of our people are in Israel, and then a lot of our family, big family, bigger families are also traveling and going out of town for July 4th. So I was like, oh, it's going to be really small. And I didn't think about the fact that the IHOP team was going to come. I knew they were coming on Saturday. And last minute, they decided just to stay overnight. And I was like, oh, well, then they're going to fill the seats. They're like substitutes <laughs> today. And, uh, but we're thankful. Uh, it would have been an even smaller crowd. But we're just thankful because I felt like the Lord... You know, even with everyone gone in Israel, I was probably like, oh man, I wish I could be in Israel. <laughs> like, but like the Lord actually has blessing here. Like he brought blessings here in this place. I was telling uh, the IHOP crew <clears throat> that came in that we love having, um, and we miss sometimes having like spiritual fathers and mothers, um, people who are spiritually stronger than us. I know we have Mama Juan and a few others, but definitely it's a huge blessing to have so many um, people, and not all of you guys are old, but you know, older than us anyway. And um, but that's a blessing. Um, there's a Chinese proverb uh, that says something about the, the old are crowned like a their jewel in the crown. Um, and the reason is like that history that you guys have walked with the Lord. I want to tell the young people this because I want to provoke them to jealousy. These guys, um, they traveled. 12 hours here. They were going to travel 12 hours from Kansas City here and do two hour set and then drive six more hours to Pennsylvania and get there at like 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. or something like that, 5 a.m. Like they were going to do this because they were hungry for something. Like I was like, I'm like young, like I don't know if our young people could even do that. Like it is a stretch. Uh, your butt hurts, like your body hurts, like you're bored out of your mind, and yet like something is driving them to literally drive 12 hours here and then be okay with leading two hours set when they're exhausted and then go another six hours through the night around the mountains to Pennsylvania. And so I, I, and I heard that, I was like, wait, why don't you guys just stay here tonight? But then it, the question kept like, like what history, what walk with the Lord have these people had that would drive them, even at the age of, of, you know, 60, 70, to do this, right? Like, we know as young people, we've seen our passion burn out. We've seen friends burn out, right? Like, we've seen people just fizzle out in their passion and their zeal. And yet, what does it take to love the Lord in such a way that when you are 70, and someone might hear, I don't know how the oldest person is here, but... What does it take to keep a fire burning to a point where when you're 70 years old, 80 years old, someone's like, hey, let's drive 18 hours straight through the night to a conference for Jesus that would be like, sure, pack into a car. Let's do it, right? Like, what is it? <laughs> Give it. So I was like, like, amazingly, they're willing to be here today, and I just want them to impart some of that to us. Like, I just want them to give some of that to us. Because it's not about size. It's not about how loud even you sing in passions or conference or production. It's about this. This is gold. What they have is gold. And I want some of it. And I want to know what it is. The secrets to loving Jesus. Um, so, um, I want to invite their uh, fearless leader, who somehow convinced them to do this. John who is a pastor um, 
people moved to IHOP. And uh, John is awesome. His crew is awesome. And I just, could you guys stretch out your hand to him? <clears throat> and let's just pray for him as he comes up here. Jesus, thank you for John. Thank you for the team here. God, we just ask, um, not because of their articulation or their own strength, but by your spirit, God, would you impart the passion and the wisdom that you've given to them over these years to us as young people. God, that we would not be moved and motivated by big names or sounds and sights, but God, that there would be a deep-rooted love in our spirit we want to love you with a burning heart when we're older. And God, we just ask a blessing over John as he speaks. Not just for us as young people, but even for the those who are older than us here in this room. God, we ask for deeper roots, burning hearts, to love you with all our heart, mind, strength, and soul. We just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Great. God bless you. It's good to be here. Um, yeah, I feel like family here and thing. One thing I really appreciate is I want to honor the one family and Priscilla and yeah, you guys and this community has hosted the Lord's presence here. I just feel the Lord's sweet presence here. And you guys are like David's, Psalm 132. David vowed, I will not rest, and I will not give my eyes rest until you rest, Lord, here. And so this is like one of my favorite places. So, um, yes. So, yeah. So with that, um, I'm going to pray. And the title of this message, I feel like the Lord's saying is, who do you say Jesus is? And who do you say you are? Can you say that with me? Who do you say Jesus is? And who do you say you are? Okay, so I'm gonna pray. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would glorify your Son. Holy Spirit, come and reveal Jesus to us, who he really is and who we are in Him, and help us to be ready and waiting and watching with hungry hearts, lovesick hearts, for His return for the wedding supper of the Lamb. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to do a skit to show, um, okay, so Alan is going to play Jesus, and Hazir is going to play this woman that anoints Jesus. And you guys are going to be um, part of the story, too. Okay. All right. So, come on up. Thank you. Okay, this is taken from um, Mark 14. <clears throat> and I'm actually going to mix a little bit up with, uh, with uh, John 12, I believe. Okay. No? Okay. All right. Now, the first, or with verse one. Now the Passover, 
and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the laws were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. And, and can you guys say this? Okay. But not during the festival. Or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar. A very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume. And head and feet and anointed his feet with oil with washing it with her hair some of those presents were saying indignantly to one another if you guys could say this why this waste of perfume it could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor and they rebuked her harshly. And Jesus said to them, Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. And you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. You will not always have me. She did what she could. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body. She poured, she poured perfume on my body. Beforehand to prepare for my burial. Beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly I tell you. Truly I tell you. Whenever the gospel is preached. Whenever, whenever the gospel is preached. Throughout the world. What she, has done what she has done will also be told, also be told in, memory of her. in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Amen. Okay, thank you so much. Amen. Okay. So the question today is, who do you say Jesus is? And uh, so, while I was meditating on this, um, the religious leaders, I believe, saw him as a threat. You know, because he was um, the priest and king, the Messiah, and he would change their system, so they saw him as a threat. And then, you know, in another story, um, Lazarus saw him as a friend. He was reclining next to Jesus. Martha was serving him as a master. But how about this one woman? How did, who do you think she said Jesus was? Any guesses? Her savior. Okay, her savior, yeah. Because in another part of scripture it says, Whom much is forgiven, loves much. 
And so this woman, she's unnamed. It's this woman in another part of scripture says, you know, that she was like the prostitute of the town. And then, and she's going and you know, washing Jesus' feet with her hair. And then others said, do you know who's touching you? You know? Um, so she knows that he's a merciful savior. But what I sense is this, that instead of seeing Jesus as just a master or a friend, I believe this woman saw Jesus as husband, bridegroom. Why? Well, what she did with that alabaster jar is what he did for us. As Hazir was coming, she poured out all this expensive oil, right? Well, guess what? On the cross, you know what Jesus did when he went to the cross? He was a blood donor for us. How much does he love you? This much? This much? This? He loves you. He gave it all. Yeah. And, um, yes, thank you, Lord. Because we didn't know, but we were sick and dying. In a way, we had spiritual COVID. And the only solution to that is the blood of Jesus. A little bit about my story. Uh, I grew up in the church. God called me to be a pastor. I was pastoring. And I, and I think I thought in my mind, um, I'm a pretty good Christian. I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a pretty good Christian. I do good works. And then one day, the Lord showed me while I was praying, I was a sinner. And he showed me that I was a liar and an adulterer. And what I saw was that he showed me that when I was meeting with people, I was exaggerating about who I was, you know, puffing myself up to impress them. And then he showed me that I was looking at, lustfully at a woman, and I thought, everyone does this. But at that moment, that fear of the Lord came upon me. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm a sinner. And then underneath me was a black hole. It was the mouth of hell. And I was falling because the weight of my sin was just pulling me down. And I thought, oh my gosh, if I go in there, I will never come out. And I couldn't help. The gravity of my sin was pulling me down. But just at the nick of time, a hand grabbed me. If, it, if We're not going to heaven because of our merits. We're going to heaven because of his mercy. Yeah. And uh, so... Um, thank you, Lord. And so, uh, the other thing is, you know, what, who do you say you are? You know, um, are you, do you have your value in ministry? How many of you think you have value in your ministry? Right? I do, okay? So, um, I was a really anointed evangelist. And like people, I like I could at I had church service. I would come in front and share my testimony, and people were like clapping. Whoa, you know, 
And this one lady from California came and said, John, the idea, hey, you're the guy that has that amazing evangelist testimony, right? I said, yeah. And she goes, I get more out of your testimony than Mike Pickle's message. And I thought, whoa, <laughs> you know. But anyhow, the Lord said, stop. You're, Mike Pickle said a message that foolish virgins have ministry but no intimacy. And the Lord told me, quit IHA, quit your youth ministry, and go be shut up in your house to be spending time with me. And I thought, oh my gosh. So my dad called me from Michigan and said, you know, quit IHA and quit youth pastoring. And I didn't want to do that. Part of it is I had identity as IHA staff. And also the youth pastoring, it gave me some money to pay my house mortgage. And but when I but I stopped doing that, and when I went from being in the public ministry to being in the secret place, it was really hard because I was noticed in public. Like, um, you know, and like I remember when this one time where I was praying for Israel, and this one person came, looked at the door with a window in it, looking at us praying, and I prayed harder, you know. And but, but my point is this, um, I realized I had so much identity in what people thought of me, who I was before people. But in the end, it's not going to matter. Yeah. You're gonna st we're all going to stand before one person. Mm -hmm. And what he says will matter forever. Yeah. And I was connected to this one leader that had influence on the pastors in Kansas City. And she asked if I could be her assistant. And this pastor's, they were having a pastor's meeting. And I thought, wow, this is great. I'm finally going to be recognized by these pastors. And then God said, shut everything down and be with me in your house alone for a week. I thought, but I'm going to miss out on this, you know, pastor's meeting and all. But I obeyed, called the leader, and she was gracious. She said, do whatever God told you. And so um, during that time that I would have been in front of pastors being recognized, I was on my bed just waiting on the Lord. At that time, whoosh, Holy Spirit came on me. And then this fire just, just went through my body. And I thought, whoa, Lord, I'm so glad I didn't miss this experience with you. You know, I think a lot of people think my identity is being in front of a pulpit, on stage, you know, preaching. No, no. It's before the Lord. We're first called to be priests. We're first called to be sons and daughters of God. Be in the secret place. That, that's the eternal. A lot of things we do, I think, may not be, yeah, it's temporary. Unless it's in the will of God. And then, I don't know, some of the, let me ask you a question. How many of you have, are single right now? Could you raise your hand? Okay. Well, that would be a quick, quick trip question. If you're really married to the Lord, you shouldn't be single. Okay. But anyhow, I think a lot of singles, we think grass is greener on the other side. Oh, if I was only married. You know, and we may look at, I don't know, Disney movies. But marriage is... Yeah, wonderful, but it's challenging. It's what your parents go through, you know. 
And uh, I think our identity sometimes is like, oh, who can I you know, marry and all that. And, uh, and well, so really quick. Um, yeah, I, okay. I almost got married three times, but, <laughs> but it got, it stopped, you know. I'm so sorry, that's my phone. <laughs> uh, but anyhow, and then there's people that were interested in marrying me, you know, and I, and I wanted to really consecrate myself to the Lord. So I talked to a leader. He said, John, why don't you just wear a wedding ring? <laughs> and so I thought, okay, I'll wear a wedding ring. And then I was praying up on the mic at IHOP with this wedding ring. And then when I came down, this one lady, she's beautiful, and she, I, I could tell she's interested in me. She was saying, John, come over here. I said, what? She goes, when did you get married? And I said, no, I'm married to the Lord. But when I said that, I felt like a boundary. You know, that I'm not available. And it was kind of like bittersweet. But anyhow, um, yeah. The thing is, is, if you're a believer, you're not single. You're married to the Lord. And one thing I thought, like the Lord was saying, he doesn't want girlfriends or boyfriends. He wants a bride. And he's not into half-hearted relationships. And like, um, yeah. And one thing with um, Mary of Bethany here, and I guess the question I have is this, would you be willing to be someone, you know, it says a woman here, she's unnamed, unknown, would you be willing for the rest of your life be someone who is unknown, nameless basis by man, but known by the bridegroom king? Yeah. And so, so this woman, she uh, gave it all to the Lord. Her reputation, she was being criticized, you know, and mocked, and um, and then I felt the Lord said this. Um, there was 40-day fasting. He said, be a Nazareth. Don't cut your hair. And uh, I, for the first time, I didn't cut my hair for 40 days. And this was a really strange experience. But anyhow, <laughs> little bristles came out, you know, and like people were like looking at me, you know, like, you know, I was homeless or something. <laughs> But then when it grew out more, people said, oh, that looks so good on you. And then, but it wasn't about, you know, people, so I had the fear of man, rejection of man, and the praise of man. But during that time, when I was just doing it for the Lord, I felt this intimacy with the Lord, this even more presence and you know, anointing. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. And then when I cut off the, um, yeah, the, that the anointing intimacy kind of wasn't quite as there. But I think the Lord wanted me to you know, share this. Are you willing to make Jesus your one and one thing? It could cost you everything, but it will be worth it in the end. Once again, what's your identity? Is it before people, what people say, who you say? Or is it before what, before the audience of one? And um, yeah, I just feel like Lord saying, He's coming, 
He's marrying a bride that's wholehearted, just like him. And so, yeah, so would you, yeah, um, pray with me? Yeah, is this? Okay. Oh, and just a few applications of this is uh, Jesus said, leave her alone. And I feel like the Lord is saying, leave other people and be alone with him. Why are you bothering her? Don't let other things bother you in the secret place. And do a beautiful thing of giving your whole worship and devotion to him. And then the poor you will always have, but you won't always have him. Our time is limited on earth. Time to spend with the Lord is, yeah, limited. And yeah, choose intimacy above busy ministry. I mean, I, I, in the will of God, I'm saying. Okay? Because it will be worth it, but it will be costly because you will be criticized, you know, being wholehearted for the Lord, you know. Um, so, and but I guess the last thing I want to say is this. This is a story is taken in the context of Passover. What happened at Passover? A lamb, an innocent lamb, was slain, blood spilled, and uh, yeah. And one thing is this: when Jesus was upon that cross, you know, one of the last things that happened to him was this: he they speared his side. Why? Because. He was the Adam, the greater Adam. Eve came out of Adam. We came out of his side. Jesus died not so that you could just be a servant or a friend to him, but to be a bride. He wants that one-on-one -on -one intimacy with you. Yeah. So, so with that, uh, let me pray. Um, yes. Lord, we just thank you that you are the lover of our soul, that you not only, yeah, you, it gave you joy to face the cross, to be mocked by man, spat on, and accused by the enemy, and even abandoned by your father when you cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was because you knew you would be if you paid the cost with your blood, that you would have us as bride forever. Lord, we ask, Lord, you would, Lord, grace our hearts to return to that first love. Lord, help us know who you are and who we are in you. Not just who we are, but whose we are, that our identity would be found in you before the audience of one rather than before many people. Lord, and so I ask for grace upon us, Lord, that we would, Lord, you said, as Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Lord, Holy Spirit, come and help us enter into a secret place and abide in the love of Jesus. Draw into that secret place that we would have full of oil. We would have history with you in the hidden place, Lord. And sowing into eternity, Lord, that we would be watching, ready, bride, 
ready to enter into the wedding supper of the Lamb. So we ask you to prune us, catch the little foxes, everything that distracts us from that one thing called Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just release now the round blessing over this family, over this corporate bride. And the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. And the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his face upon you and give you his shalom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, John. Thank you. Let's go ahead and take some time to worship this song.